Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 15, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, I was talking to my, my, my kids the other day. I said, you know, Christians need to be the ones having fun. Instead, what we are doing is we are oppressing people and telling people what they can't do. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. When honestly, none of these things does the Bible address. If you have convictions, then have your convictions. But don't take your convictions and tell somebody else they have to have your convictions. And if they don't have your conviction, then they're not saved. And that is what has happened in the church. And so you go to people and you say, hey, well, you know, I'm thinking about going to this church. And uh, what do you guys believe here? Well, let me get the, uh, the book. <laughs> and they open up the book. And it's their standard operating procedure for their denomination. Well, we believe this. Christians can't dance. Christians can't drink caffeine. Christians can't dance. Christians can't have fun. 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 Christians need to be the ones showing the world how to have godly fun. Somebody clap their hands and say amen. And what's wrong with that? Fun? Fun? Christians and fun? Oh, I've never heard of such. That's the way people think. Man, when you come to church, it should be fun. Church should be a wonderful place to be because it's God's house and God is present. And what has happened in the church today, saints, listen to me close. The church has so much stuff piled onto Christianity that our faith is hidden. We can't even share the gospel of love with people and say, listen, God loves you Just the way you are. You cannot just share and get to that simple message. You have to deal with all the extemporaneous legalism that the world knows about. And so they, they, you tell them God loves them. Yeah, well, what do I wear to church? God loves you. Well, well, what do you guys do? God loves you. Well, what about tithing and giving money? Well, God loves you. Well, you know what? I'm smoking cigarettes, and I don't know if I can go to church smoking cigarettes. Well, God loves you. Yeah, well, I'm an alcoholic. Well, God loves you, but I'm a crack addict, and the church is not going to receive me because I'm a crack addict. And so we spend so much time in the church just kind of digging through all of the stuff that's been piled on people before we can really get to the fact that, listen, God loves you just like you are. And you don't have to change before you come to church. As a matter of fact, come to church just as you are. Come long enough and watch God change you. Question. Listen. I'll wait. 
Listen. Do you fix yourself up before you go to a trauma unit? If you have an accident and there is a problem and you need a doctor, you need a hospital, you need a trauma unit, you don't fix yourself up to go to the trauma unit. You, you know what? As a matter of fact, let me tell you, if the trauma is severe enough, you know what you do? You don't care what you're wearing when you get to the trauma unit. Oftentimes, I used to be an ENT. I know we would cut clothes off of folks. Cut them off. I don't care what you paid for it. I'm trying to get you to the hospital where you can be healed. You don't try to fix yourself up before you go to the hospital. You don't try to fix yourself up before you go to the trauma unit. You go just like you are. And while you're there, you receive healing. While you're there, there's a restoration that takes place. And then when you leave, prayerfully, you are healed. Saints, isn't that the way church is supposed to be? The church is a trauma unit. Calvary Chapel trauma. I didn't say Calvary Chapel drama. Amen. I said Calvary Chapel trauma unit. It is. It's a place where we can all come and receive health and receive healing. And it's the place you need to come for health and healing. I've heard of people who have problems and they stay away from church. Listen, when you have a problem, come to church. Well, I'm not going to worship God and be happy to be there. So, come. Because if you don't, it only gets worse. Come, and God will heal you. Come, and God will work in you. So the churches should be a place where we receive all people. This is what we see in the book of Acts. A church that is full of grace. Well, the Judaizers, they weren't teaching grace. They were teaching law. The Judaizers were telling people that they must be circumcised and obey the laws of Moses. Well, after this big argument, we just read it in verses 1 through 5. The church decided to send Paul and Barnabas others up to Jerusalem to get some wisdom and counsel from the leadership. And while they were traveling, they went through the Gentile cities and they found plenty of other Christians who rejoiced at what God had done among the Gentiles. And they get to Jerusalem and they tell the church leadership what's going on. And notice in verse five in your Bibles, some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up and they said, it is necessary to circumcise them, and to keep the laws of Moses. Well, look at verse 6. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up. And he said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And so God, Peter says, who knows the heart. Saints, underline that. I love it. God knows the heart. Man, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged, Peter said, them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, Peter says, why do you test God? Note this, saints. 
by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Well, listen, the church came together to discuss the problem. We want to note that Peter stands up and he says, listen, guys, Peter says, give me your attention. He says, listen, guys, I understand what you're going through. I understand how difficult it is to believe that this gospel of grace has gone to the Gentiles. I can imagine Peter stood up and said, listen, it wasn't but just four chapters ago. Amen. I was up on the roof. I was relaxing. That was about lunchtime and I got hungry. I needed lunch and all of a sudden I saw a big white lunch bag come down. And in the lunch bag was all four-footed matter of beasts and creeping things and all the kinds of things that I know us good Jewish folk don't like. And I heard God, he would tell them, I heard God say, rise, Peter, slay and eat. And he would say, guys, do you know what I said to God? And the guys would say, no, what did you say? He said, I said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And then Peter says, and a little while after that, I found myself in the house of a Gentile named Cornelius. So Peter would say to them, listen, I saw the work that God did among the Gentiles and I saw them get saved. And I know, guys, I know it's difficult to understand that they like pork. They eat pork. And then when he said that, all the Jews probably said, I mean, you know, it's bad when you go pork, they eat pork. He says, yes, they do. And I can tell you, God has saved them. Peter says, listen, I had to learn that salvation is not decided by whether somebody eats a ham sandwich. Somebody say amen. Amen. Salvation has nothing to do with whether you like pork sausage. Salvation has nothing to do and is not dependent on observing the Sabbath or Sunday or any other day. Salvation, Peter says, is by grace through faith in Jesus. And Peter says, listen, guys, God knows the heart of every man. And God has not made a distinction between us and them. He gave them the Holy Spirit just like he gave us. And when he gave them the Holy Spirit, he made one new man in Christ. And now there's neither Jew In Greek, there's neither black nor white. We are all one family in the kingdom of God. Peter says, listen, there's no distinction, I'm telling you. Okay, they were probably riveted. They're like, wow, never heard of such. Oy vey. (laughs) They're shocked. And then in verse 10, look at it in your Bibles. Peter says, why do you test God? And why would you put a yoke of burden on their necks? A yoke that we and our fathers, we, that we aren't able to bear and our fathers were not able to bear as well. You see, the law, listen, saints, the law was never intended to be fulfilled by men. The law was never intended to make one righteous. What was the intention of the law, Rodney? Listen, the law was intended to be a mirror, to show you that you're a sinner. And that you need a savior. 
The law was intended to point man to Jesus. It was never intended to make you righteous. Almost like a speed limit sign is not posted to let you know that you're going too slow. A speed limit sign is posted to let you know that you're going too fast. A thermometer doesn't take away your fever. It only lets you know you have one. You understand? And so the purpose of the law was to let man know of his condition. And Peter says, don't put a yoke on them that no one is able to bear. Listen, saints, you don't get anything out of what I'm saying. Get this. There's only one yoke that we are called to bear. And you know what that is? It's the yoke from Jesus. Don't you remember when he said, my yoke is what? Easy. And my what? Burden is light. You see, the law yoke was heavy and oppressive. But Jesus' yoke is easy and light. One yoke that we as believers are to put on ourselves. Well, Peter says in our text, we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Look. Got to move on. Look at verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent. Peter was preaching, man. They kept silent. And then they listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, notice now Peter was speaking. Peter stopped talking. Now Barnabas and Paul start talking. And now they're finished. And now this guy who? James. He stands up and he answered and he said, listen, men and brethren, listen to me. Peter, Simon, has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out, underline that, highlight it, circle it, to take out from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet, well, they agree. Just as it's written in Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord of hosts, who does all these things. I love verse 18, known to God. Hey, I love it so much. Read it with me. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, James says, this is what I think we should do, fellas. I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them a few things. Abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Stop right there. After Peter finished, Paul and Barnabas, as I mentioned, give me your attention. Paul and Barnabas turn and they say, listen, we've testified and we've seen, talked about the miracles that God did among the Gentiles and how God has backed up those miracles with signs and wonders. And then when Paul and Barnabas sat down, 
James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Same mom, different dad. You understand? James, in the church, they gave him a nickname, Old Camel Knees. Why? Because he became a man of prayer after Jesus ascended. His half-brother. James, he didn't believe in Jesus when he was walking on. Jesus was walking on the earth and, and, you know, hanging out with his brothers and sisters. They didn't believe in him. I mean, understandably so. I mean, think about it. Your brother wakes up one morning. You're sitting over some Cheerios at the table. Your brother looks at you and says, hey, I'm the Messiah. And you go, yeah, right, and I'm Oprah. I mean, I mean, how you, how you can believe something? I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, quite understandable. James didn't believe in him when he was walking the earth, when Jesus was walking the earth. But after Jesus ascended, James believed in him so much so that he became known as a man of prayer in the early church. And so James stands and says, brethren, listen, Peter, Simon, just told you that God went to the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Listen, saints, and listen close. God took out a people for his name. They did not take themselves out. God took them out. They didn't take themselves out. Man, when I hear these two words, take out, I get excited. I like takeout. By definition, takeout is takeout. When you go to takeout, you take out. It doesn't take itself out. Have you ordered a pizza? Went to pick it up. Have you ever seen pizza sprout legs and take itself out? No, you take it out. It is you who reaches down, reaches out, takes the item, and you take it out. Jesus, the Bible says, has reached down into the world, and he took out a people for himself. You didn't take yourself out. Now, why do you point this out, Rodney? Because it links so beautifully and perfectly with the gospel of grace in that he, Jesus, reached down and took you, saint, out of the world and called you to be a people unto himself. And that was not of your doing. It was all God, baby. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 just simply says. For by grace you have been saved. Say it with me, saints. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest, lest you brag about it. It's the gift of God, lest you brag about it. Whatever, y'all know it. <laughs> it's the gift of God. He took us out. And he made us a people unto himself. And there's nothing we can do to improve upon that. There's nothing we can do to make that any more sufficient. Saints, listen. God's grace is sufficient. Say amen, saints. God's grace is sufficient. Say it again. 
God's grace is sufficient. It's enough. It can do what he intends for it to do. And there's nothing that we can do, listen close, to please God. Now, I can see the question marks over your heads right now. What do you mean, Rodney? We can't please God. We're supposed to please God. Yes, we are supposed to please God, but we can't please God to make him happy so that he will save us. We are to please God after we are saved in response to what he has already done. And now I say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory. All of the honor and all of the praise. I can't sing it like Michelle, but I'll try it anyway. Hallelujah. We say that. We sing that because of what he's already done. So we can't earn our salvation, thus by definition, grace. Here's an acronym for you. G-R-A-C-E. You know it? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. You can't improve upon it. Can't do nothing to make it better. Make it more powerful. Make it more potent. God loves you as much as he will ever love you. He can't love you anymore. Had you ever thought of that? He can't love you anymore. Well, James says, listen, Jesus reached down the world, drew out a people for himself. It wasn't that they kept the law and broke out and was worthy. God did it. And then James says, listen, the prophets agreed to all of this. And then he quotes Amos chapter 9 to prove that the scriptures already testified to this. That God has a continued plan for Israel. But that God is going to call out from the Gentiles a people for himself. And these Gentiles never become Jews, but they are part of the kingdom. Known to God from eternity are all his works. God knew this beforehand and now listen as i close two things that have come out of this council meeting of which we will next week go back into the council meeting because i have some stuff i want to share with you but two things come out of the meeting here in these first 21 verses number one what we believe about salvation that comes out what we believe You are saved by grace and you can't deserve it. You can't earn it. And watch this. If you don't take it freely, you can't have it. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. Salvation is such that if you don't take it freely, you can't have it. It's almost like a gift. You tell somebody, hey, I got you a gift. You go, really? Well, that's great. Let me pay you for it. And they go, no, 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 you can't really. No, you can't pay me for it. No, no. And see, you, know, you guys are more holy than I am because somebody asked if they want to pay me for it. I'm like, yeah, give me $25.99. <laughs> but you go, no, 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 really, really, really. You can't pay me. No, I don't No, I can't take money for it, really. It's a free gift. Take it. Well, I can't. I can't. Listen, if you don't just take it, you can't pay me for it. If you don't just take it, then you can't have it because I can't take your money. Well, that's the nature of salvation. If you don't take it freely, you can't have it. That's one thing that comes out of the meeting. 
The second and final thing that comes out of the meeting is how to live. How to live in response to this salvation. It's necessary, they say, that there be no idolatry, that means making other gods, and sexual immorality. Abstain from things strangled because if the animal wasn't killed in the proper way, the blood wasn't drained out, that could cause problems. And so they come up with these two things. What we believe about salvation, and now that we have a salvation, what are we to do? How are we to live? And listen, this is just incredible wisdom. It's incredible wisdom. It protects the Christian, and it also encourages fellowship between the Jew and the Gentile. Because we need to walk in love toward our brother, even if we have the liberty to do a certain thing. We'll talk about it next week. But even if we have the liberty to do a certain thing, we don't have the liberty to do that thing if we stumble our brothers. You understand? Say amen. Amen. Man, everybody on this side of the room said amen. No one said amen on this side of the room. All right, this side of the room. If you understand, say amen. Amen. Good. I'm praying for (laughs) y'all. So we need to walk in love. There was no compromise. This is wisdom here, people. If you fast forward to verse 28, you will see that the Holy Spirit led this decision. There was no compromise doctrinally, but there was consideration practically. We'll talk about it more. Don't miss it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.